Welcome to Crystal Clear Finances, where we understand finances can be confusing, but you don't have to face it alone and you can have confidence for every financial decision. My name is Crystal Langdon. I'm a certified financial planner, qualified kingdom advisor, founder of Crystal Clear Finances, and I'm honored to be your host for the next 30 minutes. Now, I am so excited about today's program and actually next two programs because I have none other than Tony Parrish, who's the CIO and the CFA at AlphaStar Capital Management. And I'm sure you've heard of me talking about AlphaStar before. We work closely with them. And he came all the way up from Texas just to be with us here on this radio program and on our YouTube channel. So Tony, welcome to our program today. Thanks, Crystal. Glad to be here. Well, I'm excited because over the past 24 hours, it seems like we have crammed everything in. We're now going to do two radio programs and we've done two seminars. And I thought, what a great opportunity while you're here. And I promise I am feeding him. I'm making sure that we're giving something back here, but he's working hard and he's been talking a lot. You've been talking a lot about the market, helping my clients feel confident as they're navigating through this time, you know, in the market cycle. So I thought maybe we could take our program today. And one of the key things I wrote it down that you said in the seminar last night and today, and I saw everyone else taking notes was six things that you want to get right when it comes to successfully timing the market. So let's talk about that a little bit. And I'd like to give some information that you shared in the market updates as well. But let's start here. Okay, sure. Well, uh, you know, I don't want to bury the lead here, but the lead is that you don't want to try and time the market because it's actually exceptionally difficult to do. Mm-hmm. You could choose the best investor in the world. I don't know, Warren Buffett, or you mm. choose the best investor in the world. The best investor in the world will not be able to successfully time the market repeatedly. It's yeah. incredibly difficult to do. And that's because you really have to get six things right if you want to successfully time the market. You need to know what to sell. Mm-hmm. You need to so- know when to sell. You need to know how much to sell. And then since you're not going to sit in cash for your entire investment career, you also need to know what to buy, when to buy, and how much to buy. Just that. And, right. (laughs) So what may seem like a good idea in timing the market because you think the market's bad and it's going to go down so you want to get out, or you think the market's good so you you want to get in, it may seem like a good idea, but it's actually very difficult to do (laughs) successfully and repeatedly. So instead of timing the market, I really believe it's more about time in the market. And that is, you make sure that you've got the right investments Mm -hmm. for you, the right investments to achieve your goal and to get you there using means that are comfortable to you based on your own risk profile, and make sure that you stick with that plan. As Einstein said, one of the greatest uh, um, forces in the universe is Mm -hmm. compounding. Right. And you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of compounding your assets over time, which you're going to short circuit if you're moving in and moving out of the market. You know, I talk to my clients a lot about the market and the fact that I I use a clock as an example. So 12 o'clock, everybody's loving life. The market's good. Things are going to grow to the sky. So they seem. And of course, risk tolerance is always high then, Tony. Everyone can withstand risk. Want to make as much money as the next guy. (laughs) Exactly. And they're talking about it. But then I look down at six o'clock on a clock if we're using that's the mark. And that's where everyone gives up. They don't want anything to do with the market. Get me out of here. Mm -hmm. And, And they didn't realize 
realize how painful it could be. Mm-hmm. When I look at where we are now, I kind of look at we're probably between five and seven o'clock on that clock. And we're hoping it goes to seven and then gets over that and goes to eight, nine, ten. But we have a good chance of also slipping back to where it's a five. And it's in this time we're helping people understand of holding that course mm-hmm. of saying, listen, we aren't going to try to time the market. Like you just said, those six things they would have to get all lined up to make it work properly. And it's not. It's really that they've got to be working with their advisor right now and making sure everything's properly allocated, not just rate of return. And we can say that because we've seen the market go through its circles. And of course, for compliance purposes, I'm not guaranteeing that the market is always going to follow this circle because past is never a prediction of the future. We know those compliance criteria. But I am looking at it and I want to talk a little bit about the economy. For those who were saying, maybe I need to get out, maybe I need to get back in and the different things that they're considering. Let's talk about where we feel the economy is right now. Yeah, great question, you know, and I wish I had one of those answers that was uh, that had a lot of conviction and confidence one way or other. The truth mm. is, the second half of 2022 has been highly uncertain. Right. Unlike 2020 and 2021 where we did have a lot of conviction that we were in very strong markets that we expected to mm-hmm. persist. You may recall coming into 2022, I said 2022 looks to be a pivot year. Yes. Right. In which many of the conditions that we've enjoyed for the last couple of years that that resulted in outsized returns in the capital markets didn't matter whether you were invested in stocks or real estate or what Mm. you were invested in. Prices went up across the board. Unlike those years, 2022 would likely be a pivot year. And it sure (laughs) You called that right. Well, I mean, I I like to take credit for it, but I'm not going to do any high fives for calling a, you know, a yeah. decline in the market. That's that's not the kind of thing that wins any popularity points. Right. But now we are here in November of 2022 and we've had a very painful year. Mm. Right? We've had, you know, 20% down year in the S&P 500 yeah. give or take. Right. 16% down market in bonds. Um, real estate prices have cooled. Uh, really, everything in the capital markets has has sold off this year, except maybe oil and energy. Right. Right. And that's due to some goofy, probably non-repeatable uh, geopolitical things and supply demand disruptions that are going on. So from here on out, if we're trying to look at where we are in the economy, rarely have we seen a more difficult time to, to get conviction one way or other, because we actually have strong evidence on both sides. On the negative side, you know, we've got a global economic slowdown that's been going on, not mm-hmm. just in the U.S., but U.S., China, Japan, Germany, the four largest economies in the world, which account for roughly half of the world economic right. you know, activity, are all projected to slow mm-hmm. in 2022 and 2023. We have inflation, of course, which has been on everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. You're reminded of it every time you drive by a gas station right. and you see the price of gas. And we've got a number of um, things that have been, you know, working to create this 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 um, this gloomy storm cloud over mm-hmm. the economy, right? So those are the negative things. On the flip side, there are actually some things to be very optimistic about. For one, we have a an exceptionally strong labor market. Right. The unemployment rate is at a 50-year low. Mm-hmm. Anybody in this market that has skills that wants a job can get a job. Yes. Right? We also have um, uh, asset valuations have come down quite a bit. So if you liked company XYZ, at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and nothing has changed fundamentally for that company. You should love them as an investment at this time of the year, because on average, they're 20% cheaper. Right, right. right. So st- stock prices haven't come down. The silver lining is that the opportunities are greater from a risk mm-hmm. reward standpoint. And then thirdly, in the bond market, we suddenly have yields 
income levels that mm-hmm. we really haven't seen for the last 15 or more years in mm-hmm. the bond market. You could invest in a U.S. Treasury uh, T-bill right. for 12 months, backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. Treasury. And currently, as of November 9th, right. <laughs> that's, uh, for compliance reasons, currently, as of November 9th, it's yielding over 4%. Wow. So Uncle Sam will pay 4% just for borrowing your money for 12 months. You can even get the same annualized yield for a six-month or similar yield for a six-month T-bill or even a three-month T-bill. So those are some reasons for optimism. Strong labor market, better pricing, and and income levels are higher. So the truth is I don't have a ton of conviction about whether the clock is going to go from five to seven or from six to seven or from six to five. Correct. Correct. A lot of what uh, is going to play out really is not on anyone's radar screen. A lot will have to do with the Fed. A lot will have to Mm -hmm. do with oil prices and the way that inflation reacts to What's going on? Mm. So don't have a lot of conviction one way or other. I'm sorry. That's all right. But I do want to go back to something you said on the labor, because I found this interesting. And we actually got into this at our one of our seminars that we did together, where we had someone in the audience that had asked where we saw this tug of war between those who don't want to get off the couch, right. they really don't want to work, yeah. and those who are desperately saying as employers, I need people to work, and that tug of war. And I found that conversation interesting. So if you could share that with our listeners and our viewers. I would like that. Sure. Well, the question was, where are all of the employees? Mm -hmm. And my answer was, I honestly don't know. Right. And if you find them, please let them know that we're hiring. (laughs) We've got three open positions that we have. There you go. Right. We're not alone. So you've got this situation where, um, you know, companies need talent, need Mm. employees, need staff, need reliable resources to be able to run their businesses. And you also have an unemployment rate that's very low. Part of the reason the unemployment rate is very low is because of the way that the unemployment rate is calculated. It basically says that if people are out of work but not actively looking for work, they're not counted as unemployed, hmm. which sounds crazy to me. Yes. But that's the way it's been calculated since the beginning of time. And it's a, it's a known quirk and deficiency of the unemployment mm-hmm. rate. Regardless, there are lots of people who are choosing not to work currently. Mm-hmm. They're the stereotype of you know right. living on the couch of their parents in their parents' <laughs> basement, right? So um, what is this doing? This is creating a dynamic where it's actually very difficult for companies to find workers mm-hmm. to entice them off the couch and come to work exactly. for without raising wages, mm-hmm. which of course will contribute to inflation. And will also um, squeeze the profitability of all the companies mm-hmm. out there. So this, we're going to look back at 2022 as as a year where I think this issue of getting workers back into the workforce mm-hmm. really became a kind of front page topic that mm-hmm. we were talking about. And I like to think that it's starting to break. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there were very generous, um, you know, COVID related. Um, uh, unemployment benefits that were introduced and other, (laughs) you know, other, uh, you know, forms of payment that were going to folks who weren't working. Um, Those, for the most part, I know there's a lot of state to state variability, but on a federal level and in most states, I think those have largely gone by the wayside. So now we're at this sort of uh, point where we're waiting to see what happens next. Mm -hmm. You know, eventually, on average, you know, folks who are not working and have been able to sort of live on their savings. Mm Uh, have been able to more or less do so over the last couple right. of years. But I, I believe that in a lot of cases on an aggregate level, the funds are running out and they'll be forced to 
you know, make a decision and in many cases that means going back to work. Yeah. And I agree with that. And one of the things I found fascinating was how you talked about, and I, maybe I picked up on it as a business owner. Mm-hmm. So I know that we want to make sure that we provide goods and services and that we're serving people. And what happens is when you do your job well and you serve people well, spirit of excellence, then profit is made. Yeah. And that's the capital that's right there. But then you have on the other side, how do you help make that capital? How do you provide the service to people? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to have employees. You have to have team members. Sure. And in the past, it seemed like that the team members weren't paid as much as they are asking to be paid today. Mm-hmm. And you talked about that seesaw mm-hmm. because I know personally, even as I've started looking for someone to come on board at Crystal Clear Finances and I'm working with a team and they said, oh, you're going to need to ask for or be willing to pay this amount of price. I said, what? And they said, oh, yes, these are the new going rates. Right. So. I pay my team well, but then when I heard that, I said, wow, I think that the prices to entice people off the couch to get back engaged are really going to be higher. Yeah, it's and it cuts both ways, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Companies that are are looking to um, to bring in new uh, employees are facing that wage inflation dilemma that you're describing, Mm -hmm. but also companies that have existing workers that are asking yes. themselves, what would it cost to replace this person if this person goes and works somewhere else? Exactly. They're also experiencing that wage inflation as well. So we're actually at a time, you know, I, I talked about it earlier, where if you look at um, there's in, in the economy, there's this natural tension that exists between capital and labor. Yes. And by capital, it's, you know, Folks that have money put the money to work in a way that hopefully generates profit and Correct. grows wealth over time, and that's a noble thing and mm-hmm. something that you know makes makes the world go around. And labor, which looks out for its own best interests, wants to make as good uh, as healthy a wage as possible, um, is the largest expense or the largest input to production in running these companies. Right. So the the level of wage whether it rises or falls, actually has a massive bearing on both capital and on labor. Now, if you go back over the last, say, 40 years, mm-hmm. that tug of war between labor and capital, I would argue that capital has... has I agree. I agree. ...than labor has. Mm-hmm. If you look at, for instance, the inflation-adjusted wage of work, the average worker today relative to, say, 1980, it's actually lower. Wow. Right? So the spending... Even though wages have... Right, on right. On a basis, the spending power has actually mm-hmm. gone down, right? So 2021 and 2022 appears to be the year in which labor is pulling back in that tug of yes. war and demanding more to be mm-hmm. enticed back to work. It's something that's likely to pe- play out over many years. It's not just going to be a 2022 thing. I agree. I expect it to play out on, uh, over a number of years. And um, I think that labor is giving a good tug on that rope right now mm-hmm. and forcing capital to to. Right. If they're desiring to make uh, to make uh, an outreach to try and come Mm -hmm. to terms on what is a fair labor wage in the current market. Oh, even when I was speaking with the people that are looking for uh, our next team member, they said, listen, you have to come up to this level. This is what the demand is. And it made me sit back, Tony, and say, do I really need that? Will I be able to serve my clients better by bringing, putting that outlay of cash, investing in someone? And will that team member help them? In this case, yes. To me, it was like, okay, I will step up to that new level. But it was a jump noticing what it was compared to the last time when I, I hired. So I just thought that was an interesting dynamic um, in regards to that. 
Well, let's talk a little bit more. Um, I'm just thinking back of one of the topics that was during our discussion. And there's a lot of times this buzzword about with inflation and soft landing and hard landings and all kinds of things. And I'd like, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners already know, you know, what that is. But I'm sure there's also quite a few out there that are like, I know the buzz phrase, but I really don't know what it means. So let's kind of talk through that. Sure. So, um, uh, Jerome Powell, who's the chairman of the mm-hmm. Federal Reserve, uh, is trying to orchestrate what is called a soft landing. And a soft landing is basically raising interest rates just enough to curb inflation mm-hmm. without sending the economy into recession. Yes. That's a soft landing. A hard landing would be raising rates too much and sending us into recession. Right. So Jerome Powell and the, and the Fed are trying to avoid the hard landing, avoid mm-hmm. recession, and accomplish the soft landing. And we ask ourselves, well, how likely is that? Mm-hmm. I've heard some, some people say, oh, it's impossible. They never do it. And that's not true, actually. <laughs> so we went back and we looked at the last uh, 55 years, going back to 1967, the last 10 rate hikes. Mm-hmm. And we've asked ourselves, how frequently was the Fed able to raise rates and not cause recession? Right. The answer is, it's either two out of 10 times they've done it successfully, mm-hmm. out of five, or if we take away the two that were really sort of, that probably shouldn't be part of the discussion, right. like the recession that happened uh, in 2020 was a result of COVID. It wasn't right. a result it wasn't of, the, of they the did raising rates. So you really shouldn't count that in the, right. the analysis, right? So if we take away those two that shouldn't be counted, they were successful two out of eight times. So 25% of the time. In other words, it is difficult. Yes. But not impossible for the Fed mm-hmm. to do what they're trying to do, and that is raise rates, interest rates enough, mm-hmm. curb inflation, which of course is the big threat that they're dealing with. Not only are we dealing with it here in the U.S., mm-hmm. but all major economies. Are right, doing. right. Raise rates just enough to curb inflation and still avoid recession. That's what a soft landing is. Right? Mm-hmm. We'll be back in just 60 seconds with more crystal clear finances. Tic-tac-toe, three in a row. Did you win or lose the first time you played? This is Crystal Langdon with today's Financial Gem. When you don't know the rules of the game, it's easy to end up on the losing side. But once you understand the rules, you can play more efficiently. Finances are the same. It has rules, and those who understand them benefit. And those who don't, unfortunately, they seem to miss out on getting three in a row. Take time to learn the rules of finances. Understand what works, what doesn't, and why. Call Crystal Clear Finances at 518-433-7181 and gain confidence for every financial decision. You can win at finances. And we're back with more crystal clear finances. Now, as you go around and you're speaking with individuals, you're giving market updates, you're you're talking about it, what are some of the questions that you receive from people that kind of like, huh, I didn't know that was a hot button or what, you know, something that is commonly asked? Yeah. One of the things that surprises me, to tell you the truth, is um, the level of pessimism that yes. exists right now. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I also, you know, maybe this is for a different uh, radio show, but I think a lot of it has to do with our information sources, mm-hmm. which have become very, very good at really uh, pressing our buttons, yes. what scares us, and highlighting those things. Mm-hmm. And in aggregate, it creates a worldview that is actually tremendously fearful and pessimistic. Yes. For instance, if you look at... Um, if you look at uh, investor confidence surveys mm-hmm. in the current market, 
investor confidence uh, is lower now at the beginning of November 2022 than it was at the at the trough of the financial crisis, even mm-hmm. lower than it was then. When mm-hmm. I would argue we were really faced with a serious global systemic mm-hmm. crisis. Mm-hmm. And if that crisis hadn't have been averted, could potentially have resulted in another Great Depression. Mm-hmm. In fact, we don't have these investor surveys going all the way back to the Great Depression, but it's not far to, we can infer mm-hmm. the conditions now versus then. Uh, I, people look at what's been going on in the market this year and have some impression, many of them have the impression that this is something akin to the depression. I've heard that a lot when clients are coming in. And, and you know, when I ask people, well, how much do you think the stock market dropped during the depression? The, the S&P 500 is down about 20% here mm-hmm. to date as of the beginning of November, uh, give or take. How much do you think the stock market dropped during the Great Depression? And usually people say, well, I don't, you know, range is 20%, 25%, 30%. The market dropped 89.5% during the Great Depression. So if you invested 100 bucks yeah. in the Dow at the beginning of the Depression, you were left with $10.50 yeah. the trough, right? There's no way we're near, nearly close to that. In fact, the market dropped 30, over 35% during the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that surprises me is just the amount of pessimism that mm-hmm. is out there, which actually uh, is more pronounced than is actually justified mm-hmm. by either the performance of the markets or the economic conditions. that. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that because I had a client come in the other day so discouraged. And were the accounts down? Yes. But in that case, we had them in a, a balanced type of portfolio. They were down a little over 16%. When I'm comparing it to everything else, I'm like, hmm. This is not bad. I actually, silly me, was excited to show them that you were only down 16%. I pulled it up like my big screen. You, you went for the high five. I went and for that, and they left me hanging. Left hanging. And I'm like, really? So that was kind of like, oh, okay, so let's dive into it. And I think that there's this, they hear that recession word or possible recession word, and it immediately goes to the worst case scenario. Looking at long lines for soup kitchens. Yes, Exactly that. But what's interesting is they'll think that way, but then I'm noticing noticing there's not a difference in spending. So um, it's we're going to go into a soup line, but first I'm going to go buy all these things before I get there. But I'm they're expensive. The new iPhone is out. Yeah. So now I can document while I'm in the soup line. So it's just I think a lot of it. What I've been spending time doing with my clients is just say, hey, let's sit down and let's talk about how a market cycle goes. Yes. What can we expect, and what does that really mean? Yes. And you know, there's always been this like, well, don't worry about it. Leave your money in the market forever, and and don't think about it. And I don't agree with that all the way too. And let me explain that. Yes, we want time in the market, but we want um, intentional decisions about why we're staying in the market. And that was exciting. And they didn't leave me hanging at this recent market update that we did with our clients to be able to say, listen, you can sit down with me and I can look at each one and say, this is why we own this. This is why this fund's being managed. This one, because there's a purpose for each one. One of the good ones, Crystal. But I think if, if our clients can understand that, Tony, if they can say, oh, that you really have a reason for what I'm doing, mm-hmm. then they can get through this trough, this five to seven o'clock and kind of get their way through it. 
And a lot of times I think as a financial planner and a fiduciary, our responsibility is to be already thinking three steps ahead of where we are today. You know, we're, we're so used to, we'll just move checkers and I'll hop over here. Mm. Okay. I think I got a small win. No, we've got to think chess. And now what we've got to do as financial planners is we have to hear what the government's doing, watch where that will end up three steps from now, figure out ours and get three steps or four steps further. So I think having more information, helping clients come into that aha moment of, of how it really works and it's not the end of the world, I think that's critical. Cyclicality is key and also reminding people what we're doing, why we're doing it, mm. what we are expecting the outcome to be. I mean, exactly. These are just basic. And that's what we're talking about is not unique to the investment markets. Right? No, no. I mean, any, any, any decision making with an uncertain environment, mm -hmm. right? Any, anytime you're making decisions with imperfect information, which is yes. almost all decisions that we make, yes, yes. involves some elements of this. Well, and when you said that, I love that because when people put, um, they feel like they have a financial plan together, it's almost like it's like set in concrete and you can't change. And if you bring up something and you say, okay, I'm going to slightly pivot here. It's like, what? But we work with the information that we have. And that's so important to understand that there's information I can act on. There's a lot of hearsay that's out there. What if this happens? And then what if this, I can't plan based on what ifs. Mm -hmm. I can plan on what I have. I can take intelligent deduction of where things are headed. Mm -hmm. But I think having a good plan, and, and that's one of the things, Tony, I would even encourage those who are viewing us on our YouTube channel, those listening to us right now on radio, is make sure even if I'm not their financial advisor, sit down with a trusted financial advisor, have them go over your portfolio and help them explain to you these are why we have these components. It's not just about, well, I learned somewhere that you just stay in the market. So that's what we're doing. There has to be intentionality. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, mentors that I had early in my career, um, we were up in New York at the time and he uh, he had a house um, in the Outer Banks. Okay. And there was a, uh, there was a hurricane that was heading right for his house. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, so, you know, the, the news flashes we're talking about the hurricane show people going to Home Depot and getting lumber and boarding up their windows. And right. said, are you prepared for the hurricane? And without missing a beep, he turned to me and he said, I prepared for the hurricane when I built the house. Yes. And I use that as an example in the, uh, in, in the discussion of how to invest our portfolios. Mm. We have to know that when we're building a portfolio, like building a house in the Outer Banks, there are going to be some storms that come along yes. once in a while. And it's important for us to not have to run out to Home Depot to prepare in a panic. for that yeah. storm. In a panic. That's why you need a plan, a blueprint mm -hmm. ahead of time. And make sure that you build that portfolio in such a way so that whether it's 72 degrees and sunny outside or the winds are whipping at 110 miles mm -hmm. an hour. You feel like you've got the plan in place and it is the plan that you're going to be sticking with. Yeah, that's good advice. Now, I know we only got to have a few moments left okay. and I do want to, you know, bring this to a close. But I, I loved how being able to stand up in front of the clients and being able to say that when you go through and I know I'm hammering on this, the storm part is because I want our listeners and our viewers to be encouraged that you can literally go through, have your advisor look at what you have and go over that with you. Are there any closing thoughts that you would have in our last few minutes that you would want to share? Uh, lots of thoughts, but in the interest of time, <laughs> just keep it to one. And that is, um, you know, 
if you've got the right plan, the right investments, you shouldn't be changing this the the core of your portfolio based on any headlines. Mm-hmm. We're just coming, you know, we're still in the midst of election season. The outcomes of elections shouldn't cause you to change your plans. Um, your perception of the market shouldn't cause you to change plans. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens in the Ukraine or anywhere else shouldn't cause you to right. change your plans. Really, the things that should cause you to change your plans are when you have a life change. You're retired, yes. you're getting married, you're building a house, you're sending kids to college, whatever the case is. If that's if you're not going through a life change, you should stick with that core portfolio that you've mm-hmm. established with your financial advisor right, right. in advance. And, and regardless of what's going on with the headlines or the storm clouds, that's the plan that you should carry forward. Well, I appreciate that. Well, Tony, thank you for joining me today. I am going to have you stick around because we're going to do another radio program for next week and have you share more about the market. But I do want to talk to our listeners and those of you viewing us on our YouTube channel and just encourage you, if you don't have a financial advisor, Um, then give our office a call at 518-433-7181. Let's sit down. Let's do a free initial consultation. Let's see what you have in place. Let me understand what's going on in your world and give some insight of what it would be like if the two of us began to work together. So give us a call, 518-433-7181, and join us again next week as we continue to provide financial clarity so that you can have confidence for every financial decision. Thank you and God bless. This program is for educational purposes only. We understand that finances are complex. Facing them alone causes stress, resulting in wrong choices, missing out on opportunities, and having to settle for a lower standard of living. At Crystal Clear Finances, our team approach focuses on providing clarity and confidence so you can make the right financial decisions. Investment advisory and financial planning services are offered through AlphaStar Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Clear Finances and AlphaStar are separate and independent entities. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.